Saturn beckons mastery. And there's no such thing as mastery without trial, right? There's no way that you're going to level up unless there's something to level through. You're listening to Ease and Grow, a podcast about life lessons, wellness, and growing into your authentic self. I'm your host, Sika, a millennial writer, thinker, feeler, and heart-centered creative human. I'm obsessed with personal growth and soaking up as much joy as we can on this crazy ride of life. If you've ever found yourself thinking, there's got to be more than this, then this is for you. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to the show best known as Ease and Grow. I'm your host, Sika, and I'm here to deliver your wellness tips, your self-knowledge studies, and just overall inspiration. Um, Welcome, if you're new. I'm excited for you to tune in, and welcome back, all you Ease and Grow family members. Today, I'm super excited because we're going to talk about Saturn Returns. My Saturn return started this March, and my Saturn's in Aquarius, and it goes direct in December. If all of that is gibberish, don't worry. Our guest today will explain what all of that means. But yeah, we have a great episode today. I always love talking about astrology. I consider myself a baby astrologer. I love to look up people's charts, especially people who don't know anything about astrology or maybe don't even believe in astrology. I'm like, ooh, let me make you a believer. I got you. What's your birth time? What's your location? Pop it in. <laughs> I always love to like just give them my little insights into their chart. Uh, we talk about that a little bit in this episode with Camille, so you guys will hear a little bit about that too. Um, but firstly, want to address some things. My voice may sound a little nasally right now. It won't in the episode because this episode was recorded a month ago. (laughs) But I'm having like allergies. I was really scared because I had like a sore throat yesterday and started taking airborne immediately. I was like, no, 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 no. But when I looked up like the symptoms and I've been sneezing like crazy, um, I think it's a grass pollen allergy, which is funny because I'm literally a hostage and I haven't left the house (laughs) since Saturday (laughs) and it is Tuesday so how I'm having allergies act up while indoors with the windows closed it's way too hot to open the windows um yeah it's a it's a mystery but I'm pretty positive I'm like 90% positive it's an allergy and hopefully if I just like sleep and get rest and keep drinking my tea it'll be gone by tomorrow. Um, I didn't really grow up with allergies so like having these allergic reactions is really strange for me. I guess I should consider myself fortunate because tons of people go through seasonal allergies every year and I guess I'm turning into one of those people I don't want to be one of those people so we're gonna get my immune system right I made a huge stir fry of veggies to like make sure my immune system is getting what it needs I haven't been eating super well over the past week it was 
4th of July last Monday, lots of barbecues, lots of leftovers, got Chinese over the weekend. I saw Black Widow, which was amazing. Me and my cousin got Chinese and watched Black Widow, and it was so good. Um, Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pug, Pug or Puh? They were really good in it, like amazing. Very highly recommended. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the biggest elephant in the room. Uh, I plan on doing a full catch-up episode with you all because I did promise an LA catch-up, but I just don't want to take away from these episodes, so I'm just going to do a catch-up episode. So anyone who's interested, you can just listen to the catch-up episode, and I will... (laughs) The more I say catch-up, I'm thinking of catch-up like the condiment that you put on food (laughs) but catch up is what I'm trying to say um yeah so anyone who's interested on how my summer has been going how I've been adjusting to traveling again how I've been adjusting to socializing again just like post-pandemic things um that episode will be coming soon and then I'm gonna take a little break because podcasting is different when the world is open like it's just it's a lot and I I've the next episode we put out will be episode 20 woo yeah 20 episodes um so that will be a nice milestone and a nice time to just like take a step back reassess maybe get some processes in place like um, Jan shared, and I think it was episode 16, she's really gotten into a groove with her podcasting, and she does season breaks, so yeah, I need to just um, get my bearings together and be ready, basically, to jump back in in the fall with a new season and like have episodes ready and have like systems in place and just, yeah, I want to just have more of a system and process and really make sure that I'm putting out episodes that are well thought out and I always get inspiration for episodes so that's not an issue at all it's not like I'm low on episode ideas I just need to get my energy together and my processes together and we'll have way more fun episodes after the break but yeah I think it's common for podcasts to take summer breaks actually so I'll hop on that bandwagon but um, speaking of podcasts, I mainly listen to my podcast on the Apple Podcast app, and I was driving around Saturday trying to listen to podcasts, and it just would not work. I don't know if any of you guys have had issues with the Apple Podcast app, but it just would not work, and I think maybe I have too many podcasts, or well, had too many podcasts, because... Um, it just wouldn't open anything. And I had probably like 70 different shows with probably three to five episodes on each show. Uh, not with not counting Armchair Expert, which definitely had at least 40 episodes I hadn't listened to. So I deleted the app and re-downloaded it. And it literally deleted all my shows. <laughs> like, I have to remember by memory. Obviously, that's how you remember things. But I had to go off my memory to remember what shows I liked, what the episodes were that I was curious about. And I'm like just one of those like gluttons for consumption. So if I see a title that just pops up on the suggested and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll download it to listen to it later. So half those I'll never find again. There's no way I'm ever going to find those. 
but I'm like going back remembering like I guess it's a way for me to be more intentional like okay these are the shows I actually like and I can like search them out and then make sure that I find their episodes when they come out so I hope that doesn't happen with you if you guys are Ease and Grow fans and you're not subscribed and you're just like oh let me check and see if there's a new episode because I do that sometimes um yeah don't lose me hit that subscribe button hit that follow button I know I'm not like as consistent as I normally am because I've been traveling. Um, thank you for staying with me because I I've definitely not been on my schedule, but I am going to make sure that I bring content to you guys. And I have things to say, so like I like doing this. This is fun for me. So yeah, don't lose me. Hit subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Ease and Grow Pod join the conversation um but yeah i don't know how long i've been talking now because my recording isn't telling me oh ha eight minutes cool so this is a good time we can jump in and i will introduce our guest for today today we're speaking with camille michelle gray Camille is a practicing astrologer from the washington dc area with over three years of study and client work Her consults are a hybrid of left and right brain. They are steeped in the soulful concepts of evolutionary astrology and are informed by the technical techniques of Hellenistic slash traditional astrology. Um, So you're all here in this episode. Camille talks about approaching astrology from uh, her specific house system. And there are multiple different house systems. So if you get a reading with Camille, I believe she uses the full house system. I'm don't quote me on that (laughs) but she will be approaching it from her own system of astrology and if you get a reading with another astrologer comparing it to a reading with her may be slightly different but I always think that the core message that needs to come through whenever you get a reading from anyone whenever you're researching about astrology it tends to come through and you'll just know what resonates with you and what doesn't so Just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. And also I can share that our guest today is an Aquarius sun, a Taurus moon, and a Gemini rising, and an INFJ. We talked about that in the first episode that she did with the podcast back in December, I believe is when we recorded it. I think it probably aired um, closer to February, maybe end of January. So if you want to hear more Astrology 101 more of what is astrology, how can it help me in my life, why should I care what astrology is, go to that episode. That is episode four, and it'll be linked in the show notes. All right, let's hop into it. Can't wait for you all to hear this great conversation with Camille Michelle Gray. Welcome back to the show, Camille. I'm so excited. I know all the listeners are excited to get their astrology fix from you. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course. So I guess it will be nice kind of to give listeners a look into how you're doing now, what you're up to, if you're still doing the same thing. It's been like six months. I think the last episode we recorded in December. So wow. Yeah. Wow. How, how are things unfolding for you? <laughs> Time flies. Well, I have moved. So I am in a different location, which um, as a Taurus moon is interesting because I like stability. Mm. And this is very 
different. <laughs> so I'm settling in here. Um, my astrology practice is going really well. In fact, um, I guess it's kind of a good problem, but I have a lot of readings mm-hmm. and just generally trying to learn more about time management, I guess is where I am. And you know, how much to allow myself to ease and how much to allow myself to grow and, you know, do a reading or two. <laughs> I'm right um, there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Time that's kind of my, uh, yeah. That's my headspace these days. <laughs> yeah. I feel that time management, energy management. I'm just like, hopefully one day I'll get into a groove <laughs> with this. Yeah. Yeah. But, All the managements really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I know how you feel. Well, that's good. I'm glad we both survived. We're both on the other end. It was like mid pandemic when we recorded. Yeah. I'm so. vaccinated. So that's a big, like awesome thing that happened too. Team Vax. Yes. We're All both right. vaccinated. Hot Vax summer. Let's do it. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Literally. Right at the start of summer. I was so excited. <laughs> um, and funny. So we may have to tap into that later on if we have time, sure. but I remember yeah. you saying, you're like, this is a time when you should like be open to dating and meeting people. I think you said may. Cause I was like, yeah. asking you in March and you were like, it's not time yet. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. So it happened on May 13th and that was Jupiter going into Pisces, which I know is your seventh house. So just, just kind of keep an eye out for what's happening now. It's kind of like a brief preview because Jupiter will retrograde back into Aquarius. Um, But yeah, 2022 looks good as far as like mingling and mixing and socializing. However, that, you know, manifests. You know, what is so funny. I haven't pulled tarot in forever. And I just had the urge to pull last night. And I did a past, present, future poll. I never do those. Mm -hmm. I always do a clarity spread. And as I was doing it and I was shuffling and I was like, please deliver the message that I need to receive or whatever mantra I was saying while doing it. Two jumper cards fell out. Um, One was Mother of Cups and one was Four of Wands. And the Four of Wands, literally, I like looked up, I have this one website I really like where it will tell you about like the general meaning, the love meaning, the career meaning. Like, I love that one. Yes. Um, I may link it if I can find the link to it. But it literally said, you're going to go to a celebration, like a birthday party or a wedding or something. And I have a wedding next week. And you like, they're like, make sure that you're open and available because you may meet someone there. And I was like, how is it this specific? It literally said, like, you may go to a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> that four of wands. If I remember, it's like two people. It looks like they're sharing nuptials under like a canopy. And so I, I, I used to do tarot, but it means something about the wedding that you're going to, but also to be on the mindset of wedding, like the partners that you are attracting could be, you know, marriage material, if that's what you want, but committed material. So that's exciting. Look at that. (laughs) So funny. Like the fact that I decided to pull last night and then that was like a jumper card that was like, Oh, I have to get this message to you. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what is how? And of course I read into everything. So I'm like making it mean this huge thing. And I'm just like telling my friends, like, guys, I may meet someone at this wedding. It's just so funny. Yeah, Just go into it kind of just open and cast. You don't want to like look (laughs) for it and be like anxious, you know, just enjoy yourself. And that's what Jupiter is all about. It's like, as you are enjoying yourself, good things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was already planning on trying to meet someone at the wedding. My super Libra-ness was like, <laughs> all right, here's a chance, but it is in yeah. our state. So I'm like, mm, if, if you never know. to travel to where I am, then that's cool. But uh, yeah. We'll yeah. You never know. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Just had to follow up on that little tidbit. So I remember we talked about that before. Um, Very important. Yeah. We got to always keep tabs. Like everyone's talking about hot girl summer. Like you're lucky you don't have to worry about all these hot girl summer. Like find your- (laughs) I mean- it's always it's always grass is greener right so I look at it I'm like oh my god look how much fun like it's it's fun to be in that that place of like anybody could be that person right (laughs) but there is an exhaust and an overwhelm that comes with it that I'm happy not to be in right now (laughs) yeah I think I need to just like focus on the fun and like not on the overwhelm like yeah that's what I need to do yeah yeah Yeah. I'm not good at that but yes for all our listeners who are listening in our past episode, we talked about your journey into astrology, your experience and how you kind of talk to what people think astrology is and what it actually is as you're an experienced astrologer. We looked at my chart and then we also gave tips um, for how people can incorporate astrology into their lives. So that was all in episode four if people are curious and they want to know more about that. But we're going to be a little more advanced. We're going to go into like Astrology 201 and talk about Saturn returns today. And I'm so excited because my Saturn return goes exact in December, but my Saturn return is Aquarius. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to let listeners know what any of that even means if they've never heard of a Saturn return, and then we can kind of go more into detail. Yeah, and I, I'm so excited to be talking about the Saturn return. I think this conversation is really evocative of that phrase hitting the zeitgeist in some way, kind of like Mercury retrograde, and then you know, runner up is Saturn return. Yeah. Um, so it's super exciting that people are keying in to what that means. But um, the planet of Saturn archetypically it governs challenge and restriction and mat- maturity and you know all things time, all things that take a long time. Um, sometimes it can, you know, unproductively or maladaptively mean depression, always kind of, you know, seeing the what ifs of a situation. It's a lot about fear and anxiety, a lot about pessimism, but on the productive side, I like to say, you know, something I've been saying a lot in my readings is Saturn beckons mastery. And there's no such thing as mastery without trial, right? There's no way that you're going to level up unless there's something to level through. And so so wherever the planet Saturn is and the aspects it's making, whatever the narrative is in your chart is kind of where things may feel the hardest or the most inhibited, but also where things can really come alive over time with a lot of splendor and structure and authority and and respect and reverence. So that's kind of how Saturn operates in our chart. Of course, there's a lot of other delineations, but that's the broad strokes. And Saturn is the slow moving thing. So it takes about 29 years to move around all the signs in the Zodiac to reach where it was to begin with. And so that's why around the age of 29, everyone is having a Saturn return because Saturn is now in the exact same sign, but also at the exact same degree that it was when you were born. Um, And so it tends to correlate with a lot of make or break watershed adulting events, breakups, divorces, promotions, losing your job, getting sober, deciding to lose weight or gain weight or to to get something in your life a little bit together. (laughs) It can also be a time, um, you know, to to run the gamut of all things where you're given a lot of responsibility. So, you know, 
famously, I think I talked about Rihanna last time, but she had her Saturn return and it correlated with her creating a business, which is laborious. It's a Saturnian thing, but it was wonderfully um, successful, right? So there's also that kind of end in mind. But then, you know, Saturn, depending on how well integrated that energy is in our lives, Saturn returns can feel a lot like Mm, policing, like you get in trouble, like something reckoning and provocative and in your face happens where Saturn is like, okay, are you going to grow up or are you going to continue to do this pattern? So that's generally what Saturn does and specifically what's happening around the time um, Saturn is returning for an individual. Yeah. I remember, uh, I can't remember who I listened to, but a couple different astrologers will like call Saturn the task mask taskmaster and he's coming to task for whatever you did or didn't take care of like in the previous years leading up to it like have you been living true to yourself or are you like sacrificing your authenticity or are you not having boundaries it's like all that structural stuff and it's a great thing that you kind of alluded there to like have you been doing a good job in the past and you know, one of the ways that an astrologer or a person who is interested can key in on what Saturn return might bring is what happened when you were 22 or 21, when you had your first Saturn square. So it's kind of like Saturn is ticking around your chart, giving you kind of milestones and things that feel like you have to grow through and they accumulate and ebb and flow, but you know, each it's going to be thematic for you. It's going to be something that's like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> this feels familiar, at least in a symbolic way. Yeah, and I feel like as it's entering the zeitgeist and more and more people are talking about it, it's like everyone's afraid. Everyone's like, oh no, yeah. Saturn returns coming. Like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to survive? But I don't think it's not necessarily always bad, right? It's kind of just like it all depends. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. So, you know, Foundationally, I like to call myself a silver lining astrologer. It's just the way my Jupiter is set up. Um, and so I didn't like the fear mongering around Saturn returns. And I started researching. There's a lot of great uh, resources. Maybe we can get into the show notes about them where you can read what happened during people's Saturn returns and mm. the different factors at hand. And so it doesn't have to be something you approach with fear, but it does have to be something that you approach with um, energy, right? Not just letting it happen to you to be kind of co- co-present and co-piloting whatever work needs to be done. But then also in astrology, there's some nifty tools. So one Hellenistic technique is called SECT, S-E-C-T. So whether you have a day or a night chart will play into the difficulty of your Saturn return as well. Um, and then, you know, the aspects that Saturn is making, is it in a sign of dignity? Is it in a sign of detriment? All these things kind of come into play. Ooh, okay. So can yeah, we kind of go yeah. through that? Like by yeah. going through the houses, will that explain it? Or is that a separate thing? Um, well, I can get into generally, you know, what I said. So if you're born in the daytime, Saturn tends to work positively. It's warmed up by the sun. It's not as cold. It's not as dry. Uh, um, Saturn's day sign is Aquarius, Saturn's night sign is Capricorn. And then they say, well, you know, when Saturn's in a night chart, so if you're born, you know, when your sun is under the horizon, Saturn tends to have a more malefic presence, it's colder, it's drier. Um, And then the other thing I said, uh, dignity or domicile. So Saturn has signs that it really loves to be in. So it's home signs of Capricorn and Aquarius. That gives you a leg up because Saturn gets to wield. Yeah, Saturn gets to use (laughs) 
it's like Saturn is at home. It's like, oh, I know these tools. I know this bed. I know how to do this. And so you have a little bit more maybe uh, preparation. <laughs> um, but it, Saturn also likes being in the sign of Libra. It's called its exaltation. So mm. folks who have Saturn in Libra, Kim Kardashian is one, my mom is another. These are mm. folks who just assume Saturnian type of things, maybe more naturally than others. And so if those are the signs that Saturn likes being in, being in it typically hates being in the signs that are opposite those things. So Saturn in Leo tends to be a little bit more hard. Um, Saturn in Aries as well, opposite Libra, and then Saturn in Cancer, um, which is opposite its home of Capricorn. Mm, So all of these are just like little tidbits and little threads you can pull to see like, what does Saturn mean for me? It's it's quite fascinating for me, but it can be a lot of detail. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually really interesting. And at first, when you said like a nighttime versus daytime chart, I was like, oh, no, I'm I was born at night. I was born at 4 a.m. So I was yeah. like, oh, no, but it doesn't have to do with that. It has to do with the Saturn specifically where it was. No, it does. So if you're if your sun is below the horizon, so oh. I think your sun is in Libra. So yeah. it's in your second house. Yeah. So Saturn may be it just may feel harder for you because Saturn mm. is working in a night chart. But that means, you know, for people like you, Mars works more productively for people like me in a day chart. Mars doesn't work as productively. So it's a trade off. Interesting. But then I have Saturn yeah. Aquarius. So it likes that. So it's like they're all. It does. <laughs> Again, that adds the nuance of interpretation. It's like this feels difficult, but I know I have to do it versus this feels difficult and I'm going to fight against it. Right. So it's different type of energy. Mm, interesting. Okay. And then you said we can figure out the themes of our specific Saturn return by looking at the house that it's in. So can we kind of go through the houses? Because I know last time we went through the planets, but I think we ended up going deep into houses. So what are each of the houses and what are their themes? Sure. So there's 12 houses and houses represent areas of life. Um, So it, it answers the question of where, you know, where is this sign being expressed and how is this planet being expressed? First house is your physical appearance. It is how you dawn on other people. Um, It can mean your physical body, but it can also parlay into um, other markers of identity, like identity politics, the way that uh, your gender is, your sexuality as well. All of these things kind of find a mouthpiece through the first house. Um, It's kind of also the traits that you embody quite naturally. (laughs) So I think you're a Virgo rising, I'm a Gemini rising. These are things that we can't, you know, change, not that we can't change, but it's just effortless. Whereas the sun, which is another type of identity thing is more of who we are becoming, who we are striving to be, but the ascendant is just who we are. And so that's the first house. The ascendant tends to be in the first house, at least in the house system that I use. Second house is valuables. And so it can mean income. It can mean, you know, how you make money, your relationship to money, but valuables can also be, you know, do you feel valued your self-care, your um, conception of confidence? It can also mean, how do I feel substantiated in the world? How do I feel like I'm giving value and am valued in return? The third house is, um, more of a perceptive house. It's communication. It's how we listen. It's early schooling, but it also comes in to represent the daily players in our lives. And so it has a lot to do with siblings and cousins, people that are just kind of there and familiar. Also landlords and roommates and the barista at Starbucks that you always go see. So it's kind of like the neighborhood endeavors, content creation, and kind of thoughts of habit. The fourth house is home. 
um, our physical home, but home means so many things symbolically. So it's also like, do you feel rooted? Do you feel like you have a tribe? Um, what's your origin story? How is your family dynamic set up? Your relationship to your mom or your um, primary caretaker? It also dig a little bit deeper into ancestry and into kind of your roots, where you actually come from, come from, come from. Mm-hmm. Um, the fifth house is a house of fun. It's where we go to authenticate the human experience by creating. You can create a child there. It's the house of children. You can create a work of art. It's a teacher mentor type of thing as well. So, um, you know, leading people with joy. Um, It also is just life's simple pleasures. So the way that you approach pleasure in life can be shown by that fifth house placement. Um, For example, my fifth house is ruled by Venus. My Venus is in the ninth house. Ninth house rules astrology, voila. This is something that I find really, really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hobbies, recreational things, gambling, uh, casual sex, all that stuff is the fifth house. The sixth house is where we go to get to work. I know your Saturn is there. So this, yeah. these are the themes that you're dealing with now. It's your daily work environments, your bosses, sometimes your coworkers. If you're a manager, it's your employees, but it's also our routines, the mundane details of life, um, getting our oil change, going to exercise, getting a physical, it rules over chronic health conditions as well. Um, And then symbolically, it's like, what is your service to the world? What are you working on every day that is of service? You know, the seventh house is other people. So relationships, one-on-one relationships that can be business, platonic or romantic, or like whatever contact, just one-on-one. yeah, that one's the easiest to explain. <laughs> the eighth <laughs> house, <laughs> the eighth house is probably the hardest to explain, but it's where we enter into complexity. So it carries our trauma, our mental illnesses, our hangups around sexual intimacy or emotional int- intimacy, our relationship to vulnerability in general. So it's a it's a tender space. Um, these tend to be introspective souls who have a lot of eighth house, but it's also a place of finances, of shared assets, of the economy and, and kind of big entity driven um, economics. The ninth house is adventure. It's where we travel to foreign countries or go to college or learn astrology. It's philosophies, our beliefs, our faith systems. Um, it's also where we go to hammer out our own meaning of life. So. If you're an academic person, your meaning of life can be very academic, what you're doing in the ninth house, or maybe for someone like me or you, it's more spiritual, it's more abstract. So that depends on the condition of the ninth house as well, but also any certifications or special skills. So like an accountant is a ninth house thing. So is a lawyer. Um, The 10th house is, I like to say, the accumulation of all your efforts in this lifetime. It's kind of the zenith or... um, you know, the highest house in the chart. So it's your legacy, your reputation, your public persona, your relationship to authority figures as well. The 11th house is where we have our friendships. It's where we have communities at large. Um, It's where we have fans and followings and audiences. So if you're a creative person or a politician, the 11th house becomes important. How are you received by other people? What are your hopes and your dreams? How are you kind of... um, meshing with society and with, you know, other people in your community. And then lastly, the 12th house is a place of dreams and, and sleep. Um, it's a place of self undoing as well. So we tend to tuck a lot of 
harming behaviors that can be there. Um, it's a place of meditation as well. It's a place of spirituality, um, of kind of silencing yourself and coming away from the world. Um, so a lot of rest, a lot of retreats, whether it's physical, physical spaces like prisons or psych boards or like a monk temple, it can be that as well. But it can also just be um, isolating yourself within what you're learning. So research and psychoanalysis also belongs to the 12th house. So oh that's goodness. it. That's a lot. I know. <laughs> I hope you're loving this episode. I just quickly wanted to interrupt to let you know that if you're thinking of starting a podcast, then I have a great recommendation for you. Ease and Grow is hosted on Buzzsprout and it has saved my life. (laughs) Not to overstate, but when I was starting the podcast, I was very overwhelmed by all the different options out there. There There's so many different hosts. There are so many different editing platforms. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's so nice to have the reassurance of a really easy to understand interface like Buzzsprout that sends your podcast to all the right platforms every week. And it really takes care of you. They're great with customer service. I've emailed them and they've helped me immensely. So I just wanted to let you know that if you sign up for a paid plan with Buzzsprout and you use the link in the show notes, it lets them know that Ease and Grow sent you and you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. So I think that's a really great incentive and it's just a really great interface when you're trying to learn a whole new technology system like podcasting. It was daunting for me and they made it nice and easy. So Yep, that's there for you. Go in the show notes or head to the episode webpage. And let's get back to this episode. First of all, thank you for that comprehensive breakdown. That is so helpful. And yeah, yeah, you even described things in some different ways than I had heard before that kind of helped suss out what the real core is of it. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard Mm -hmm. um, for the 12th house, I think people have often referred to it as like, unconscious or the like underworld and I like never really understood what that meant um I I would totally agree with that yeah Mm. so the 12th house is like where we enter into the collective unconscious it's Mm. like you can't see it right it's an aversion to the first house but it's like everyone's dreams and motives so it can become this very secretive and juicy energetic Mm. house as well so I I agree with that there's it's so layered it's so layered but you said the right thing when you said each house does have a core meaning yeah. I do believe that those yeah. yeah and my Chiron is in the 12th house and I all, never understood what that I was just like okay I don't know what the 12th yeah. house means at all it's like I'm just gonna have to be like <laughs> unconscious I'm gonna have to have hypnotherapy to get to that or something <laughs> I like to know yeah. and, and it's in it's in Leo yeah so yeah. Leo a quick interpretation like Leo 12th house it's like the way that you come into your ego and yourself and your personality is through introspection it's through silencing the mind and you know coming into it from a more spiritual direction um so with Chiron there there might be some awkwardness or some like ickiness there or just like a reticence but yeah <laughs> that's actually pretty spot on yeah I spent a yeah. lot of time in introspection <laughs> to like get the courage to like put myself out there this way like I yeah. didn't have the courage yeah. to do any of this before all that work so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. actually that makes a lot of sense and another one <laughs> I want to just bring up the eighth house I I've seen people mm-hmm. say marriage and contracts <clears throat> are in there yeah. too so that always yeah. confused me but then you did throw in like economics and like shared assets so yeah. I never understood yeah, yeah, yeah. that either 
No, yeah, the eighth house makes sense for that. So let me just clarify. So the fifth house can be like Tinder, we're dating. The seventh house is like engagement. It's you and me, or like maybe we moved in together, but the marriage or sometimes even moving in together, like sharing a lease, that is an eighth house thing. It's like becoming bonded through shared resources or like, Mm. you know, this is a contract. This is something that if we try to break, there's going to be a lot of, you know, issue or complexity around it. So it's where we kind of bind ourselves to things. Mm, Okay. Okay. That actually helps. Yeah. And yeah, I don't normally think of marriage as a contract, but I guess it is. (laughs) It is these days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is so crazy. And then the 10th house is also the midheaven or does the midheaven move? The midheaven moves. Yeah, that's a great question. So in that, in the house system that I use, so it it varies astrologer to astrologer, the midheaven can actually be in the ninth house, the 10th house or the 11th house. Mm. And so that doesn't rob the 10th house of its meaning, like it still does represent legacy and reputation. The midheaven, if it's in the 11th house or ninth house, for instance, just adds a little bit more context. So maybe I think Kim Kardashian's Midheaven is in the 11th house and she's very much on social media. She's a public figure. And so that just adds, you know, like a theme of what that legacy will look like. If your Midheaven's in the ninth house, perhaps a lot of traveling around, being a touring musician or like being a philosopher or being a teacher, those things would lead into that 10th house legacy space. Cool. Yeah. So 10th house is our Midheaven points to legacy. I've seen it pointed to as career, but I like legacy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the way that we have decided our legacy here on planet earth is career. And so the way that humanity is set up, those two things are conflated, but I like to say the 10th house is the accumulation of all your efforts. So the efforts of the second house to get financially fit, the efforts of the eighth house to go to therapy. It's like everything. Mm. Um, Career is a huge chunk of that, of course. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. And that was so helpful. I love just like that each house has its own theme and you can really point to see like, oh, okay, I have this planet in this house. This is why I have this like energy around this particular area of my life. Like this particular planet brings this energy. And it's like, it's like math, really, (laughs) which is really interesting. I think Um, it also, it's an elegant way to answer the question. Like I'm an Aries sun, but I don't feel like an Aries. And right. So maybe that sun is in the 12th house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be a different type of Aries energy for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's so important. I always tell everyone, I'm like, don't knock astrology until I know your natal chart. <laughs> like I actually yeah. was reading natal charts um, last weekend. I was like talking to some people who were like not very aware of any astrology. And I was just like giving my baby astrologer like top of my knowledge. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. describe what an Aquarius is. And I was like, oh, well, you're really aloof and detached. Um, you're probably an overthinker because you're an air sign. I was like, you're probably creative. And like people say you're a humanitarian, but I, the Aquarius I know in my life aren't. Humanitarian. <laughs> so I don't know, but like that's he was like, oh, actually, that's pretty spot on. Yeah, I actually am a lot of that. So yeah, humanitarian. <laughs> I mean, a lot of Aquarians can be humanitarians, but it brings to mind like crusading for something. What I find Aquarius does actually share is just like constant thinking about humanity. And that mm. doesn't have to be mobilized into any philanthropic or volunteer thing at all. It could, you could just be like, God, I hate it here. Humans are so stupid. (laughs) And you're still, yeah, you're just thinking about just society all the time. Um, So it's like a human focus without necessarily having to be 
humanitarian. <laughs> mm, I like that. Okay. I'm going to use that next time an Aquarius asks me. <laughs> I'm throw that in there. Um, okay, cool. So now we know all the flavors of the different houses. So as you mentioned, my Saturn is in the sixth house and it's in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. So kind mm-hmm. of like how would someone put that math together in their own chart? Say someone has their Saturn in Aquarius in the sixth house as well, or in another house, like how would that play out? Like maybe we can compare Aquarius to what are the other ones near Aquarius? Capricorn? Sure. And then like probably people who are listening, I'm guessing would be Aquarius or Capricorn or. A lot of them would be Pisces. Pisces. Yeah. The next one. Yeah. Yeah. So what would that Um, look like? Well, so the first thing I would say is identify where Saturn is. And then I'll just use your chart. So, okay, we see Saturn. The first thing to see easily is that it's an Aquarius, right? We all know the little squiggly lines. And then you can kind of zoom out a little bit more and say, all right, it's in the sixth house. And so it's like, what do I know about the sixth house? And so using what I've said here or using really any Google search is a great way to start. Um, Six houses work environments, let's say. Um, specifically for you, because I know you're building many businesses. I'm going to just talk about it work-related, but it can be health-related. It can be both at the same time, (laughs) gym-related. Maybe you get a gym member set and that's your Saturn return. Who knows? Mm. Um, So it's important to know that. And then you think about what Saturn brings, structure and tearing things down that, you know, aren't that great. And working harder or purging things, learning to live with less, just learning to tighten up. And you think about, oh, it's doing it through the sign of Aquarius. It's an intellect driven thing. It's technological. So we know for you, perhaps you've been learning more about podcasting, learning more about your relationship to time management. Are you going to record two in a week? Are you going to do? So that's in, it's beautifully evocative of all three. It's like, it's a work endeavor. It's six house. It's a Saturn thing because management and because I bet it's not pretty or fun all the time and it's an Aquarius thing because it's the airwaves it's connecting to other people through a podcast it's technologically driven and it's human driven like I wouldn't if someone stumbles upon your podcast and they're not in your demographic I don't think that you would care you'd be like this is for everybody who has ears (laughs) that's so that's a human type of thing Mm. so you can you can then deduce that your Saturn return is going to bring up you know, those types of things. Um, But another thing is Saturn has another sign, it's Capricorn. So Saturn return will also kick in those themes, whatever house Saturn rules. And so your Saturn also rules your Capricorn fifth house. So now we have tertiary themes of I'm dating, I'm going to this wedding, I might meet someone who's important, my love life is a little bit more important right now, I'm starting to see that time, you know, is moving fast, I'm almost 30, like those Saturn type of things that parlay (laughs) into your fifth house. So it's both where Saturn is, the house it is in, the house that it is, the houses that it is ruling. Um, And then also the aspects that it is making to other planets. So you can get a a broad theme like, oh, Saturn six house, got it. And then you can get really, really granular, like Saturn six house, night chart, trine Venus, also ruling the 10th house, blah, 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 um, Mm. to really take it there, which is why I offer Saturn return readings. So you don't have to do that work and I do it for you. (laughs) Perfect. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So we're going to link to those readings. I know you're busy, but you're going to be a book now. (laughs) But Okay, so then you said to look where Capricorn is. Is that because Saturn rules Capricorn? Absolutely. So everyone can look at Capricorn in their chart too. 
Okay. Absolutely. And then for say folks have Saturn and Pisces, now you're looking at the house that Pisces is where Saturn is, but also Aquarius and Capricorn. So now you're looking at three houses. And so for us, Saturn dignified people, we only got to look at two houses, but for people with Saturn and any other sign, but Capricorn or Aquarius will have three houses that are always brought um, kind of to the forefront of the Saturn return. So the Saturn and Pisces people are looking at the where Pisces is, where Aquarius is, and where Capricorn is. Why are they looking at Aquarius? Because Saturn also rules Aquarius. Oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, right? And it's so funny that like the planet that rules work takes a lot of work to kind of figure out what's going on. But yeah, so the places that Saturn rules, Capricorn, Aquarius, and also the place that Saturn is, which can Mm. be anywhere. Mm. Okay, cool. So then always just pulling in the theme of that house and then you can also look at the planets Aquarius and Capricorn to see what other flavor may be thrown into your Saturn return okay okay right right so the the houses they occupy but also there can be planets in them those also get activated so it's a lot to take into account yeah that's why you really need a reading people (laughs) (laughs) readings help (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. Did you have anything really pop up for your Saturn return? What sign was yours in and what house? Yeah, so my Saturn return was in Capricorn in my eighth house. And so for me, it activated all the planets that I had in Capricorn. So Mercury, um, as well as Neptune and Uranus and my North Node. Mm -hmm. But then I also have Aquarius placements. So my Sun in Aquarius and my Venus in Aquarius were all at stake. So your whole chart. (laughs) Right. And so, well, I can say it was transformative. I'm not the same person I was before. And so it's like, how do Saturn returns fit? Where is it as dynamic as mine was? Or is it, you know, less planets involved, someone else? So that's, you know, kind of how the flavor can get a little bit more specific. Um, But for me, some very obvious things that happen, you know, the eighth house is a place of finances. I got a job at a um, finance agency in the government. I got a higher paycheck. And so other people's resources um, Well, also second house because the opposition from the eighth house to the second house. So I was able to make more money. Um, Something funny that happened was at my first Saturn square. So around 21 to 22, I got my first car. And then during my Saturn return, I got another car and it was so much better because that first car was a clunker. And one of my Saturn return lessons was, are you going to take care of your cars or (laughs) Mm. so, you know, I have to pay a little bit more money to have what I need or to repair or whatever. But it's like, you know, these weird, random themes that echo from the past come up again. So that's Um, like second house, a car, I guess, would fit in, right? Or where would a car fit yeah, a, in? Yeah, a car, a car is something that you buy with second house money, but cars belong to the third house. Oh, okay. Um, my third house was brought in because of an opposition to my son in the ninth house. It's it's a lot of things. <laughs> um, so so those, are the, those are the big things that happened. I got into a more committed relationship that brings in the eighth house intimacy. Um, 
I, I had to care for my elderly father. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's during the Saturn return. Oh, wow. So eighth house does deal with death and decay and Saturn is a father figure. So that's specifically that I was working, what I was working through um, and cleaning out his house and seeing like old pictures and mm. Capricorn dealing a lot with lineage and legacy and seeing like where my family came from. Um, these were some definitive Saturn return things that happened for me. Wow. And then to, the end, the biggest one, because it ruled my ninth house of Aquarius, where astrology lives, I became a more serious astrologer. <laughs> wow, so many yeah. layers to that Saturn return. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. That's, yeah, so it shows there's like, it's not necessarily good or bad. It really is right. like transformation. It's just like things yeah. are transforming and it's like a bigger transformation than any other year would typically bring. Like, it seems like you went through at least five transformations. Yeah. And I, I want to add that, you know, Saturn takes about two and a half years to go through a sign. So the entire two and a half year period that Saturn is in the same sign it was in when you were born is your Saturn return. Now, when it gets to that natal Saturn placement, like your Saturn is at 11 degrees, when Saturn is at 11 degrees, it'll be a climax moment. But then the rest of the time, like until Saturn moves into Pisces, you're just incorporating, you know, it's a, it's a lessening of the volume. So it's, mm. it's not necessarily always one acute year or like one acute event. It's just like the accumulation of many things. And then when you're like 35, you look back and you're like, wow, <laughs> mm. a lot of things happened during, you know, those couple of years. Wow. It's kind of exciting because you're just like, what's going to happen? Like what's coming? Like, <laughs> yeah. how can you and prepare? You can, <laughs> you can reasonably prepare and predict by, you know, using all those techniques. Yeah. So then yeah. what are the ways that you can, I guess, I've, I've seen people ask this question of like, can you fail a Saturn return? Like, is there a way to fail or like, does it, the, change is going to come either way pretty much it's like either you're ready or you're not ready but what what yeah. are your thoughts on that yeah so the I think the kind of binary talk of you pass or you fail is missing a lot of the point I don't think you can fail your Saturn return um I don't think you, you should even approach it like you can fail it's literally just learning about yourself, learning about the things that work, <clears throat> excuse me, the things that work and learning about the things that don't work. Like that's like the broad thing. And so if your Saturn return is teaching you about, oh, I have issues with authority, you know, 29 becomes a time, like a pressury time or like, do I want to continue being like this? And if the answer is yes, that is your choice. That is your path. That is what you came here to learn. You know, there's a lot, I like to jokingly sometimes look at celebrities and um, be like, oh, they failed their first set of return because at the second set of return, they got into X, Y, and Z trouble. And I, I just kind of laugh at myself when I do that because it's just not true. We don't know what is going on, all the, the areas of life that Saturn is affecting. The way that one matures through life doesn't have doesn't need to have a plan. And so if you don't get it quote unquote right in your Saturn return, or you feel like you don't, you're definitely like not doomed and you definitely didn't fail everything that happens to you. I believe, you know, astrology, like this is beyond astrology, everything that happens and every choice that you make um, is needed, right? There's no good or bad choices. There's just choices. <laughs> That's what my, yeah. Pis my Pisces boyfriend said to me today, it, living in his Pisces world. He's like, there's just choices. You know, there's I no labels. That. 
that's not to be good or bad, pass or fail. It just is, right? <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. And as yeah. you just touched on, so there's a, another Saturn turn every 29 years, pretty much. So when Saturn just comes around every 29 years. So as long as you live, <laughs> if you yeah. make it for another 29 year cycle, you may go through it again. And that's good. To right. Know. And then there's in between all of that, there's also like a Saturn square or a Saturn opposition. Like when Saturn moves into cancer, that's my Saturn opposition. That's a new chance to learn everything. And so the Saturn return is given a lot of PR, but when Saturn marches around your chart anywhere, it's a chance to learn. It's a chance to grow all the time. Mm, yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. I don't really know. I feel like I was told by another astrologer that I should like prepare. I think she used a different house system than you. So I think she, for her, my Saturn's in my fifth house. And she was like, you should do the artist way. And like, you should do all these other things to prepare for it. So I was like, okay. And I like, didn't really know. I mean, I feel like as much as you tune into your intuition and you like are in touch with yourself and the things that you're craving and the changes that you're craving, I feel like, yeah, you can't really fail. You just kind of like flow yeah. through and feel like, what am I being pulled to? Whether you listen to it or you ignore it. So yeah. I and it's a big, also. it's pretty good that you had suspicion that someone else was telling you what you had to do because Saturn is mastery through self-reliance. And mm. so don't let anyone tell you, what to expect or what to do. You just need to be an acute observer of your own life and, and make your own choices and make your own curriculum. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. your thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Well, we did touch on houses. So I had one question I wanted to ask for listeners about empty houses and like empty sections of a natal chart. What is, is that a scary thing or is that, just neutral like what does it mean to have an empty house or to not have something a specific house now that we know that all these houses have their own unique themes like if we're looking at a chart we're like oh cool I don't have anything I personally don't have anything the relationship <laughs> like house yeah. the relationship house the seventh house I think we decided but yeah what what yeah. does that mean what do we think how do we yeah feel better so I would <laughs> approach it kind of like you said neutral it just is there's no good or bad and the reason why is every single empty house is going to be activated by transit, by progression, by somebody else. So you don't have any planets in Taurus, but I have a Taurus moon. Voila, we are talking about astrology. Your Taurus is the ninth house. I have just activated that for you. So that's one of the ways you can come in. Like other people fill those houses. There's going to be transits through Taurus that come in and illuminate that house you also always have a ruler of that sign doing something. So the planets never disappear. And the ruler of Taurus is Venus. And for you, your Venus is in Scorpio. And that contextualizes how you experience your ninth house space because the ruler of your ninth house is in the third house. Um, so there's nothing daunting about empty houses. It's not saying like, oh, you will be devoid of those areas of life. <laughs> it's just saying those likely aren't as active <laughs> as mm. the other, you know, houses, or you're drawn maybe to accomplish some other things. And those are on the back burner, but it doesn't mean that they don't exist. Okay, good. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah Cause at first yeah. when I like first got into astrology and I saw that like my relationship house was empty, I was like, <laughs> Does that so mean I'm going to be single forever? <laughs> like, what does that mean? I mean, like, sometimes it can be like, do you want an empty seventh house or do you want Pluto to be there? So <laughs> it can be okay. 
it can be problematic at times to have a planetary emphasis somewhere. So count ye <laughs> blessings if you have an empty house somewhere, because it just means less complications, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it almost, I don't know if you're familiar with human design, but like with human design, they're like open centers. It's almost like that. It's just like, okay, you just are open to like whatever yeah. energy is flowing and like you're just not conditioned in that particular place of life so absolutely okay. yeah you're the ruler of your seventh house is in the second house so that explains some things it's also in libra but it also means jupiter for you is like focus on second house things you know it's not focused on getting you a marriage partner which is why <laughs> which is why jupiter in pisces right now by transit is really focused on that <laughs> yeah. so that's one of the ways that empty houses can become activated of course mm, okay that's good to know I like that. So listeners can feel better about any empty houses they have. Like you're not going to yeah. be sick forever or broke forever no. or whatever the house is that is empty. Um, yes. Okay, cool. So I asked people on Instagram if they had any questions for you. So awesome. I have two questioners from listeners. Firstly, how would having a natal Saturn retrograde affect your Saturn return, if at all? Yeah, so retrograde planets just generally tend to produce more internal results. And so when someone has a retrograde Saturn, um, those task mastery things, the relationship to authority and discipline and self-reliance are just inverted. Um, it doesn't mean that it's weakened. It just means that it's more of an internal thing for you, like uh, Saturn lives more in the mind. And so when a retrograde Saturn is... Um, hit by transit Saturn, and especially if transit Saturn is direct, um, it can serve as a kind of, you know, wake up type of, you know, sleep, uh, retrograde planets can be a little sleepy. And so when Saturn comes around during the Saturn return, it can be like this jolt of like, oh, this is how external Saturn things feel. Um, mm. it's, it, it doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it anything. It just changes a little bit of the arena where it's uh, happening. Mm, okay. Yeah. My guess yeah. was that maybe she would have been more prone to like being familiar with the feeling of Saturn if she was born with it in retrograde. But right. I, I like yeah. that uh, explanation of it's just like internal. That makes sense a lot. Yeah. I know yeah. the retrograde yeah. is like the re's to like reflect and mm-hmm. forgot all the other ones. Yeah. And reflect. It, internal, <laughs> internal doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I got it together. Like Saturn is internal. It can also mean that Saturn speaks very negatively internally inside of you. Right. So that voice of Saturn is more in, inwardly directed, but mm-hmm. is, it, is it like a, the voice of a coach who wants to see you do well, but has a stern voice or is it like the voice of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh is just depressed. Right. So yeah. All that changes is the arena. You you aren't like suddenly more gifted at Saturn things necessarily. <laughs> yeah, my guess was wrong. Yeah. I when you described it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's probably prone to depression. I guess if it's like internal, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then another person asked this question, which I wasn't exactly sure what she meant, but we can answer it the way that I understood it. She said she's okay. a Capricorn Sun and a Pisces Moon. And she wanted to know how her moon plays into her Saturn return. Um, yeah, so it depends on where Saturn is for this person. Um, I, I can't think we're tell about the same age. So let's say Aquarius. Yeah, so the, the moon probably likely won't be too involved um, for two reasons. One is that 
you know, Saturn is activating Aquarius and it's going to be activating Capricorn. It doesn't necessarily activate Pisces. Also, Pisces is an aversion to Aquarius. So next door neighbor signs don't really see or understand each other. So the moon is, you know, just going to be there as a witness while Saturn return things happen, unless there's some other type of transit to bring in a lunar experience. Yeah. That's what I I just told her. I was like, well, the moon governs your emotions. So I don't really think like maybe you may be more like, (laughs) I don't know how Pisces people are more emotional. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the Saturn return is taxing. So it's not like it's going to be like devoid of emotion for this person. It just means that it's more of a secondary experience, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Those are the only questions I got in. But I have a couple ending questionnaire questions I can throw in I asked you all my signature ones last time but I want to ask again because it has been six months so I'll just ask a couple of them again as we're on ease and grow where are you currently experiencing ease in your life um I am experiencing ease with where I live so I recently moved and it was really important for me to spruce up the place, but I had an expectation that it needed to be done like day one. So I've been easing into just gradually making this space more of a home and like moving things every day and being a little bit more patient with my trigger happy spending habits um, and, and really being intentional with how things look and how they make me feel. So I'm kind of easing into how aesthetic aligns your spirit I guess (laughs) you've done amazing yeah and yeah just to give you props like you decorated quickly and very well and I was like am I gonna need to hire Camille when I move because (laughs) like you just got all it like felt so cozy and homey I was like how did she do all this so quick yeah I needed that really soon because the way my moon is set up like I need visual reminders of comfort which is a lot of like pictures and candles. So yeah. yeah. And plants. <laughs> Don't forget the plants. And plants. So many, and they're all, <laughs> they are all alive. Yay. Good job. That's a big six months update is <laughs> my dead plants. <laughs> they survived so far. Yes. They I have. Yes. Cool. And then where are you feeling that you have some room to grow or maybe you're encountering some challenges? I am encountering challenges right now. And I know it's it's not just me with imposter syndrome. So a lot of things are ticking off in, in both of my careers. You know, as a Gemini rising, I do so many things. Um, so I, I am trying to not fear the success so much. Um, I'm trying to see what it looks like to feel excited without feeling overwhelmed. And funnily enough, that's why... It's always funny when people are like, be careful what you wish for. This is the life that I wanted for myself like two years ago. And I think it's so funny that I'm having growing pains, even though this is something that I wanted. And so that's just a funny reminder of how tender we are as humans. It's like, yeah, I want to be successful and be doing this many readings and make this much per month. And now that I'm approaching that or have surpassed that, it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. (laughs) So that just goes to show. Yeah. Yeah. The universe doesn't give you more than you can handle. It's like, you want it now? Because I think you need to do some growing first. And it's like, we're growing and we're like, we're so impatient. And then we get it. We're like, 
okay, I see why I didn't have that back then now. (laughs) It's also a really good exercise in, okay, that was my dream two years ago, but now I need to like modulate it to make it look different. Or like, I wanted this much to make, make this much per month, but I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, sleep or exercise. So it's about like, okay, the dream came true and I need to kind of make like a Virgo and like make the like process more efficient or something. Yeah. <laughs> we're always tinkering. Yeah. You, you never tinkering. at like, there's no like homeostasis. It's like, okay, this feels good, but actually it's a little too much. So let's like draw it back. And then you drop yeah. back. You're like, actually, I'm kind of bored. And then you like, <laughs> it's like a back yeah. and forth. Life and that's the life of, I don't know if you relate, like we both have rising signs ruled by Mercury. It's like on and off. It's like passions mm-hmm. are like fickle and mercurial, just like our planet. So learning how to ease and grow through that frenetic pace. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I, I do this a lot where I'll like project my own feelings onto other people. So I don't know if it is everyone, but I feel like, yeah, everyone says that they're like, trying to find the balance and trying to find this is also very Libra of me I'm just like where Mm. is the balance where is the like perfect middle the like um what is it the three different Goldilocks of like the like perfect little yeah yeah what's the just right yeah Yeah, just right like I'm always looking for that just right it's like maybe I should just give up because <laughs> it's like so hard to find it. Like just accept that it's going to be big or it's going to be too small sometimes or too hot, too cold, yeah. whatever the actual, I can't even remember what the story actually was about, but yeah, yeah you got to find that <laughs> middle ground and we're dancing Absolutely. on our way there. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Last question. I didn't ask you this last time, but what was What were you doing the last time you had pure, genuine joy and like fun and you were just like present in the moment and you were just having the best time ever? What were you doing? Well, most recently, Mars has entered Leo. And so I think this is a really like exuberant type of energy. And Leo happens to be my third house. And I in this new place that I live, like I love walking to get food or to go grocery shopping. Like it's much more. Um, of a walkable place, which is a third house thing. Mm. And I found myself the other day, like blasting Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars yes. while I was walking to Target. And I was just like, yeah, I'm the the main character of this neighborhood. Like, I feel like really good. <laughs> like this song is doing what it needs to do. I'm happy about what I got at Target. Like, and it's just, so, it wasn't big, right? It wasn't like, oh, I got a promotion or I got engaged. It was yeah. just like, no, for three minutes and 37 seconds. I just felt on top of the world listening to music and walking. <laughs> I love that. And it's so true. Like walking for some reason, walking is revolutionary. Like I don't think any of us knew about walking before the pandemic. Maybe some people it's did, great. but I discovered walking during the pandemic and like getting out of the house and walking. And I'll literally just be like looking at the trees, taking pictures of the trees. Like what? Like, why is it so amazing to be outside walking? And I, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can relate to you. And for me, there's always something new to discover. So I'm in this really great neighborhood where they have like free libraries, like take a book, leave a book. Ooh. And like, there's no like homeowner association. So people have funky colored houses and Black Lives Matter signs. And so it's just like a really great, like tapestry of humanity when I, whenever I go walking. 
Love that. Yay. Awesome. I love, I just love knowing what gets people excited and joyful. So thank you for sharing that. And (laughs) thank you for coming on the show. You've shared so much about Saturn Returns and actually you brought up North Node and South Node. And I was like, oh, we need, we're going to need to talk about that too. So (laughs) I may need to have you back again. Who knows? Maybe it'll be like every six months. We're just going to do a check-in and we'll just have you. I would love to do that. It sounds wonderful. This was so great. So thank you for all of your, the knowledge and all the astrology tips and let everyone know where they can find you, where they can connect with you and potentially get a reading from you if your books open up <laughs> in the future. Yeah. So my website is CamilleMichelleGray.com. I won't bother to spell it out because I know it'll be in the show notes and in the title of the show, but you can go there to purchase a reading Um, I will say they are in high demand. So if you don't hear from me, you know, I get back to people within 72 hours now. That's kind of how I'm easing and growing because I used to be like, no, I need to respond now. But now I'm giving it 72 hours. Um, Yeah, you can get in touch with uh, me for a reading there. And I have some, you know, articles up so you can like read my writing as well. Another really exciting thing that has happened for me is I have just agreed to work with Zora which is a publication online for Black women, Black voices, just amplifying um, content by Black women. And I will be their in-house astrologer. And I will be releasing articles through zora.medium.com, I believe, um, two times a month on whatever's in my head. Congrats. (laughs) Yeah. So I just recently wrote an article about Mars in Leo. So folks can go check that out, see if it resonates, see if it doesn't. Um, but yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter at Millie Michelle, which will be in the show notes as well. Just see all this stupid stuff that I think about. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Awesome. Yep. I'll link everything in the show notes and also everything else we discussed that could be linked. And thank you again for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me back. It's funny because I think when we met last time, my Saturn return was going exact to have it at 28 degrees of Capricorn. So it was like Ooh. still hanging on there by a hair. And it's funny that you had me on to talk about Saturn returns right after I've just completed it. I so had I no clue. That That's perfect. Yeah. I, you just gotta yeah. love the way the universe knows. It just, you just. The just universe, the universe be knowing. Yeah. <laughs> she be knowing things. She Yay. be knowing. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Ease and Grow. I truly hope you got something meaningful and valuable out of it. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel so inspired, then go ahead and leave a nice rating and review on whatever listening platform you're on. Another good deed for your day, share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. I truly love to connect, so reach out to me on Instagram at easeandgrowpod. There, you'll see we share fun and inspirational posts and some behind-the-scenes content. As always, I'm wishing you joy, growth, and wellness. Have a magical week and see you in the next one.